You're listening to What the Folklore, making sense of senseless tales. You can support us on Patreon and join our Discord server at patreon.com slash wtfolklore. Finish this one off. Finish the fight. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to What the Folklore, Making Sense of Senseless Tales. I am your storyteller, Carmen. Crime Weaver, Tyler. Crime Usurper. What? Gordy. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Thanks, Dave. Dave. You're on my list. Crime Usurper. It's mine now. Dave probably meant for that to go with the thing he suggested, but it's going to be a little bit before we get to that, so. That was my crime, was (laughs) to steal it. Steal it. And tell Gordy to use it now. Well, maybe I'll come back to it and use it again. All right. It's part three. Listen to the other two parts. That's a good plan. Gordy, what do we what do we do? Uh we sit here and beg for death. <laughs> <laughs> and it never comes. <laughs> we um your Carmen's gonna read a, a weird fairy tale to me and Tyler, one that we have never heard before. One that we hope some of you have never heard before. We're uh we're, by the end we may have hoped we may hope that we never hear it. We're we're going to address it as a as a modern audience. We're going to revisit it and then I don't know, just kind of parse through the plot holes as we go. Uh, we are in part three of the Subtle Princess this week, um, partly because France does not stop. They keep that fairy tale train rolling for as long as they can. It's ironic that France seems to hate the the talking girl so much because France is the talking girl. <laughs> Excuse me. In the story. Yeah. Loquatia. Yes. That character. Uh, we do highly recommend you listen in on parts one and two before you catch this one. Please, please check those out because this will make a little bit more sense if you do that. Um, and it's partially our fault that we're in this part three because we did talk about Cracker Barrel a lot last episode. I mean, I'm going to cling to that because those were good times. <laughs> those were those were our, our warm, fuzzy times. Remember so the Cracker Barrel days? We're about to enter the dark chapter. The dark final chapter. <laughs> you know how it usually works. <laughs> of, yeah, of the subtle princess. You know plot structures, that dark final chapter. Uh, There's this... a long bit about Cracker Barrel in the middle, like in Star Wars. <laughs> 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 and it gets really dark at the end. Yeah, you remember charting the... Uh... Bib Fortuna's just cramming Hickama down his gullet. <laughs> Yeah, you've, Who? you've got what? Bib Fortuna. Who is that? The the wispy noodle head one that works for Jabba. Who Han Solo shot? No, that was the, Gweet, Gre- That's Greedo. Greedo. Because that would make sense if that was the Cracker Barrel of the Star Wars universe. Greedo. No, the Cantina most yeah. icely. Yeah, they love Hickam. A wretched hive of scum and villainy. That's we're Cracker doing Barrel. It, we're doing it again. <laughs> okay, let's, we gotta yeah, get away. <laughs> Cracker Barrel has us in its grip. I could I could light this on fire. It'd be really easy to do. <laughs> Put the lighter down. Um, we are back in France. We're reading uh, Subtle Princess, suggested by Rebecca Kirk. This is sourced from Wonder Tales, edited by edited by Marina Warner. This translation is from Gilbert Adair, and the story is from the niece of Charles Perrault, Mary Jean, a lot of other names following that. Not Donois, but man, if they weren't bosom buddies, I guess. Because they write a lot similarly. They probably had a cool handshake. Yeah. Who, who edited this one again? Uh, Marina Warner. Marina Warner. Can we talk <laughs> for a minute? Did you need to keep all of this in? Couldn't have slimmed this down like 60%, just kept the meat? Let's get into it. Let's just go. We gotta go. Okay. All right. Let's quick summary of where we were. Um... Richcraft has hammered his way through Loquacia's door to find her armed with an axe, ready to cut him in half. Um, but she like goes along with a sweet talk to get him out of her room, builds him a bed that leads to the sewers. He does like some cool tricks with some fruit trees later. Like he has fruit trees secretly planted outside of their windows. Cool and tricks were both in separate quotes. Yeah. Um, the sisters wanted the fruit. Vanessa goes to get it, gets kidnapped on her second fruit trip and taken to a cabin to be yelled at and then to a mountain to be thrown into a barrel of knives but throws him into a barrel of knives instead. So that's where we are. Richcraft has been knife-barreled. The kingdom rejoices, but his brother's real bummed about it. 
See you on the other side. Let's do this story. <laughs> Okay, uh, so when the, the prince is at last pulled from the barrel, he's bleeding from a thousand cuts. His accident threw his father and his brother into despair because they really liked him for some reason. And accident. Huh? And exist. They've, they've existed. is a weird way to put that. Uh, remember, the brother Bellivore is, I remember. is the, the I'm cool bro. I'm just saying bro. they haven't mattered till now. No, they haven't, but now Did they do. Did he have brothers? Yeah, he had one brother, and he has a dad who's mm. called the lamb because he's so sweet. Um, this is news to me. So the brother and the dad are such good people that they like him in spite of himself. But the ordinary people hate him and did not give a shit that he was bleeding a lot. Forever. Is he alive? Yes, barely. How fast did word travel down this mountain? I mean, maybe he's screaming really loud. How fast did he travel down the mountain? There's a live stream of the the barrel course. They were periscoping. Physics majors. Yeah. Here's a good like problem for you to solve. How fast can a knife barrel travel how, down a mountain? How fast can a perforated prince get down a mountain? All right, so Belivore, the brother to Richcraft, tried everything in his power to cure Richcraft's wounds, but it seemed <laughs> that nothing could save him, and he lingered on in misery. So Richcraft is alive, but kind of bedridden and not very happy about it. Vanessa returns to her sisters and finds that in her absence, both had birthed a son. So they're now two bawling babies in the tower. I was afraid of that. Because they craved How fruit. long has it you, been? Yeah, you mentioned that they had cravings. And I was like, these ladies get pregnant by, like, gestion. They got pregnant by boning. That, they actually did bone? Yeah, that's why their uh, little glass charm things yeah. broke. I thought they just got touched on. No. No, they no, did No, it's it. bean on bean action. They did it like the Phantom of the Opera and what's her name at the end of the first one. Yeah. The most famous banging. <laughs> I mean, they did because he, because they have a son in the sequel. Everyone's everyone's go-to point of reference for two people fucking. Well, is the family. It is. There's just there's just like this look of exhaustion in your eyes when you stared at him and said that. Just like it is, what? It is my point of reference for people who banged, but you didn't think they did until right then, <laughs> until it's revealed that they actually they have a kid. Gordy, we do a dragon a goddamn Dragon Ball Z podcast. Yeah, you couldn't say Goku. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, as an example of people you didn't think actually had sex? Yeah, and then they did twice, because kids did, showed up. And they did twice. All right, so this this puts her in a bit of a pickle. She needs a way to conceal the shame of her sisters. Yeah. Uh, so she disguises herself as a man. She Love put that. She puts the babies into two wooden boxes. Oh, she's the new rich craft. She's taking his place like the Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> yeah, she is. Getting rid of the evidence. It's a metaphor for shitty people. <laughs> she's not going to ask her sisters if they want these babies that into they carry. Into boxes? She's just shoving these babies <laughs> into okay. boxes. Hey, I'm going to take care of this problem for you. Don't worry about it. I will sweep this baby issue under the rug and into these boxes. <laughs> and out... Hand me my fake mustache. I'm going to take care of this. Maybe down a stream. Where are we going with this? Uh, she does cut holes into the boxes so they can breathe, though. So. Oh, that's good. Did she install Just bathrooms in there for them? Just leave the top open. Kittens. <laughs> what? Like you, how kittens do. If you leave the top open in a kitten box, kittens are not going to be in that box anymore. It's a big box, though. They can't jump that high because they're kittens. It's very slippery. Anyway, she mounts some horses with the boxes, and she rides off toward King Lamb's kingdom. Have you even seen Oliver and Company? It's been a while. Uh, Vanessa hears when she enters the King Lamb's kingdom about uh, Belivore's generosity and his attempts to try to cure his brother and how many quacks he'd hired in, in these attempts. Uh, so she you decides. You do recall that we call ducks quacks, right? <laughs> yes, I, I please, do. please use the system. The duck doctors. There's a for anybody. I don't know for any new people. Just listen back. I don't even know how long ago that was. <laughs> it's a, that it's it's a been thing. Mentioned. It's a that thing. We redid the there's animal a, kingdom. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole animal classification system. It's coming. To a to we've, we've, some kind of printable form eventually, maybe. <laughs> we've woven a complicated mythos over the three years we've been doing this. Uh, you'll catch Long up. story short, ducks are quacks. Uh, so the princess decides that she, I, too, is going to be a quack doctor. If since we, just he, like all of them, am I right? Since he's, Whoa! 
uh, easily duped by those, and so she names herself Senatio. Bad. Good doctor name. And then Bad. let it be known wow. throughout the kingdom that Chevalier Senatio was ready to share occult secrets and alchemy and cure all wounds. Why? Got an endgame. It's pretty solid. Um, so Belavoir immediately sent out for this doctor of everything, and Vanessa arrives playing the part to her fullest extent, making up obscure medical terms and signing the visitor book with terrible handwriting, so that trope has existed for all of time. <laughs> is she is she trying to finish him off? What's going on? Uh, she's got some babies in a box, and she's a fake doctor, and that's where we are. But And she was called in to treat... treat Richcraft. Rich, yeah, is she, like, trying to kill him for good? Yeah. In the process of this, she was a little nonplussed by how uh, Belavoir is not a complete asshole like his brother. Prized by that. Um, but she, she goes on with her plan and tells him she needs to go fetch a bottle of her most treasured brew to fix this problem. But meanwhile, she has brought some ointments with her in these boxes, so I'll be back. Salt is what she's getting. <laughs> uh, then she left, and she was away for so long that people started to get impatient. And then they start hearing baby crying coming from Rich Grass Room. They listen more intently, and then they found the babies in the boxes from Senatio. And it was, of course, the nephews. She had fed them before she shoved them in boxes, but it had been a little bit, so they were hungry again. So that's why they were crying. Um, and also because they're babies. Yeah. So that was her. That was her plot to just dump babies in his bedroom and then leave. <laughs> so she's no longer Senatio. Uh, Richcraft suspects Vanessa as being the source of these babies screaming in his sick room, and his detestation of her grew so much that, combined with his wounds, he felt he would die on the spot. But he didn't. Not yet. Because he never will. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Belavar. Like, you don't understand how frustrated you made me when you said they couldn't save him, but he lived anyway. <laughs> like, fuck this guy. <laughs> he, he was knocked into a sewer, maybe from many stories up, survived. He was full of holes, and you said yeah. nobody could fix him, but he lived anyway. Uh, it, so it really kind of, like... <laughs> diminishes the stakes of that whole sequence it's like oh he was he was like shredded apart in this barrel pierced by a thousand cuts but it doesn't matter because he's not gonna die anyway he's just a weeping handful of lettuce now (laughs) (laughs) just shredded lettuce lettuce. (laughs) um so belavoir grieved for his brother's now rapid decline but his brother was such a dick that he was going to take advantage of belavoir's kindness to the very last it's like calculus like this he will never actually reach zero he'll just get closer and closer and closer but never quite get there he's gonna end this story as like a five cheese blend in a bay (laughs) it's just kind of a bucket of liquids with eyes floating in the top angry eyes Free, free idea, people who make Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> a bucket with eyes in the liquid. That's pretty solid. <laughs> All right, so Richcraft makes a deathbed request of Belavar, and Belavar agrees to it before asking what it is. And Richcraft embraces him and says, Oh, thank you. I am avenged. All right, here's my request. Go marry Finessa after I'm dead, and the moment that she's in her your power, plunge a dagger in her heart. Nice. All about that revenge. Ghost crimes. So Belavar trembled with horror at this request and repented his promise, but it was too late. He can't take it back, and Richcraft does die in his arms. Great. So he's gone. How do the babies feel? I Someone forgot to feed them, I guess. I don't know. The babies never come back. What? Really? Yeah. The, That's it? She dumped them in a box in Richcraft's room. Her sister's... Shame is concealed. They're not going to come back. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, they're... she just dropped them off in a room. I thought they were going to play a part. No, she had to. The she had author solved the just, baby problem. The author just needed a thing that would make an annoying sound to upset Richcraft. <laughs> and <laughs> Two also, babies will do. <laughs> and also to continue the Southern sex ed thing, because in in the South, in sex ed, you learn that when you have sex, you will get pregnant. If you do the Phantom of the Opera, and you, you will, will get babies. Yeah, you will get cauliflower beans and pregnancy. <laughs> and they will have weird psychic powers in a very bizarre scene at the end of the first act. Vanessa. Andrew Lloyd Webber, if you're listening, please write. Stop. Please write in. No, keep listening. 
No, but please do, stop writing. Oh, but yeah, maybe but, cool it on the plays, but do explain that because I don't get it. You've de- you quit while you're ahead. That's my advice. Um, Vanessa, meanwhile, was uh, chilling at home, not at all feeling guilty about dumping some babies in a dying man's room. Why would she? They were impure or something. And she hears of Richcraft's death and also that her dad's coming home. So there's two pieces of news in her bread newspaper that's brought up in her basket. Is she back? Yeah, she's he's, at, she's he's back been in the gone tower. A long time. She did. She, she didn't marry the guy. No, the guy just Richcraft just died. She went back. She dumped the babies and and went home. Yeah. So she's been home while Richcraft is extolling uh, deathbed promises. I see. So. The king, as soon as he gets home, runs straight to the tower, and the first thing he wants to do is not embrace his daughters or say hello. He wants or to see which up. ones deserve to be embraced. He wants to inspect the glass bobbins. Just a quick king game show of have they fucked? <laughs> <laughs> uh, one by one, the sisters bring out Finesse's bobbin and then take it back and return it so that they can all show a clean, intact bobbin. Fuck this story. What? Uh, but something in their manner arouses his suspicion, and he of... demands to see all three bobbins at the same time. This is a Trixie, isn't it? I've seen Trixies. I've are been they... to f- crusades. <laughs> I've been to war. How are they pulling this off? I've like seen the, a like Trixie. Like one by one, two? they're going back and bringing back a bobbin and then going and taking it. Like out of the room? Yeah. Okay. This isn't like a contact juggling fushigi magic trick. Yeah, they're not like... Like a sleight of hand like where they're like, Behind oh. their backs. That would be better. Yeah, this I would is, like that more. It's Mrs. Doubtfire. All right, so obviously this doesn't work out because two of them don't have bobbins anymore and the king immediately flies into a kingly rage and sends his eldest daughters to go live with that fairy that made the bobbins for the rest of their lives. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we go with them? Uh, yeah, we can we can follow them for a little bit because as punishment, this fairy made them basically watch this huge TV mural she has. So she's got a mural painted of illustrious women who'd made themselves famous by being virtuous and living a life of quiet labor, and she's animated it with fairy magic, <laughs> and so she makes them watch that. <laughs> what fucking skin does this fairy have in this game? Um, Back up. I don't I don't accept this. Say it again. The fairy has in her castle a mural painted of illustrious women who've made themselves famous by lives of virtue and quiet labor. She has this mural animated by fairy magic and she's making these two women watch it. Like a PBS special. I Who, bet the the sisters. Yeah, where the naughty sisters in the fairy's fairy castle? House. Where in fairy castle? Where is the castle? Away somewhere, somewhere not. How did they get there? Country the king too. sent them there. How did they get there? The Carriage. King sent them there. How? Okay. <laughs> Feet. I w- I want to know like toesies. <laughs> I mean, time and distance mean the king, nothing. The king yelled, a pit opened up underneath them, and then they were watching like a lifetime show about moral women about, versus tramps. Yeah. Women, I mean, women who are so famous, this story is not going to tell us any of their fucking names. They don't matter. <laughs> what matters is their virtue. That's why they're famous. Like who? I don't know. Virtuosa. Fame dame. Tina Fey? <laughs> She on there, maybe? Clean chick. It's me, clean chick. (laughs) It's your paragon of virtue? It's like some PBS (laughs) mascot character. My bean's never even seen another bean. (laughs) Bean free since 93. My bean's rusted shut. (laughs) Hey, kids, it's me, clean bean Eileen. (laughs) Don't talk to men or women. Don't even think the dirty thoughts. They want to sully you. All right. Um, the figures in the mural move day and night. 24-hour PBS special. <laughs> that seems like a huge waste of resource. Okay, when she is not educating... Uh, uh, young, young women. What's the lapsed young women? Trollops. Like, yeah, <laughs> Whatever you want to call them, what what is the purpose of this mural? Yes, Carmen, did she have it before they got there? Is it just playing all the time? What was it for? for What did she have it for? She just likes to watch it. 
It's it's like it's like watching the soaps. It's just personal inspiration. Is yeah, it like, like she just loves virtue so much. Is it a lifestyle that she also yeah no she she undergoes or is she probably. fucking self loathing? <laughs> no, she's one of those extremes. It's not in the middle. Who knows? Um, <laughs> okay, so these are running twenty four seven. And it's mortifying to Loquatia and Lackadaisy to see the comparison of these awesome chicks to their soiled selves. They are referred to as the soiled sisters because the story fucking blows. We'll never be as famous as them. Twist, we actually know who they are. We're yeah. reading a story about them. Yeah. We have names instead of these, these nameless... Who, famous women. Whoever. Famous good women. <laughs> Fame Dan and Clean Lady. Fame Dame and Clean Bean Eileen. <laughs> that would be a fun YouTube video to create. Clean Bean Eileen. <laughs> and Fame Dame. Oh boy. The purity pros. <laughs> <laughs> the purity pros. Oh man. Make it like a Property Brothers episode. <laughs> um anyway. Uh but for the downstairs. And it, that they're gonna fix up your downstairs. You can't do that. <laughs> um, all right, How so. are they gonna make it better? <laughs> How is what, it being improved? What are they gonna renovate? <laughs> is that just like plastic surgeries and stuff? Yeah, it's just like douching. Some summer's breeze. <laughs> so let's let Fame Dame and Clean Bean Eileen take a look. Mmm, too saggy. Let's take care of that. This is a bad show for children. <laughs> Next up, Caillou. <laughs> I see we got a bit of a flappy bean here. It's time to tie that up. Let's let me get my chemical gun. I will fix you. This is not okay. All this right. is not a good show. No. Nothing is good. In addition to the the shaming murals, the fairy is also railing on them constantly about how if she'd been in their position, she would have never made the same mistakes that they did. Okay. Where's would, your bobbin? Yeah, I would like to interject. She is there railing on them. Uh-huh. In real life, not in the tapestry, because she didn't make the same decisions. <laughs> She, she's not in the tapestry, and she knows it. She is one of those horrible old ladies so, who's like busybodying so everybody else's life. This is self-loathing. Yeah, that, like she's just the worst. <laughs> she's worse than Vanessa somehow. Um, and she also repeats that idleness is the mother of all vices until they feel like screaming. So she's just like repeating that phrase until these two women go insane. Also, what does that have to do with anything? If they, but they didn't have cool hobbies like their sister did. One but they just, weren't idle. They did things. It was just things that nobody else agreed with. <laughs> yeah, well, one of them was sleeping, and the other one was talking. And so, yeah, you guys suck. You're the worst. This is all your fault. Hedonism. Some, I don't know. They're fucking princesses. It's, again, it's not like Vanessa's... <laughs> doing anything productive she's just crocheting things Trees. and making sweetmeats i mean she's literally producing yeah but for herself yeah i'm not i'm not saying it's a good thing but she is making things she she is but like she's not doing anything for people so her making things is not inherently better than the other two enjoying their lives she's just enjoying her life with her hands yeah what is she doing go back to her we'll get there does um, she die i don't like it so the fairy makes Lackadaisy and Loquatia keep their hands busy with the coarsest of chores around her fairy castle. So she's just got them as indentured servants. Um, and she has no regard to the weather conditions. So like if it's hot or if it's like raining and nasty outside, they're still outside pulling weeds. She doesn't give a shit. And this causes Lackadaisy to die of vexation and fatigue. Probably like exposure and the flu. Rest in power. Then Loquatia one night found a way to escape from the castle, um, but she smashed her skull against a wall and died, speechless at last, in the arms of some peasants. <laughs> yeah, this is the worst. Took a tur who? Wait, who? The talky one. 
She found a way out, accidentally At- smashed her head against a wall. Yeah. But but, but no, the story's that, like but but that's it. She's dead. Sometimes I need you to back up just so I can make sure yeah. that I think I, I heard what I think I heard. She's dead. She, she did just fall over. There's she nothing hit, more she to hit, it. No, she hit her head in a wall. But there's nothing more no. to it. It was just No, she just she hit, just hit her head. Yeah. Okay. Head no. head smack. You don't do that. Not hard enough to kill yourself typically. She didn't trip or anything. She just hit her head on a wall. <laughs> Uh, smashed her skull against a wall and died is the exact phrasing. Speechless at last because the story has to be a smug motherfucker to the end. Right, and that's not even a fucking detail that I care about. Well, I would like to know how she hit her head on a wall. Well, because she talked all the time, so now she finally shut up. <laughs> like This is the worst story. I hate it. Who wrote this? France. The, the, <laughs> Some French lady. The niece of Charles Perrault. I hope Charles Perrault's work is better. I, mean, I don't remember. This is more known. I had to hunt this down in like an online library. She's like Miyazaki's son. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. So Finesse's good nature caused her to weep for her sister's deaths, even though they suck so bad for having hobbies and believing the first man they're allowed to talk to. Um, But in the midst of these troubles, she also finds out she's been engaged to Belivoir, like her dad's arranged this behind her back, and he hadn't bothered to let her know, because in these days, the desires of the two parties most concerned with a marriage had very little priority in any plans. Knife. She... (laughs) What? Knife. You just hoping knife. for it. No, knife. It's too, it's too late knife. for these people. No, I want her to get knifed. Oh. <laughs> Let's say, like, that's that's not happening. They <laughs> they have passed up their moments. Uh, she suspects that this marriage is a vengeance marriage, and so she goes to- Oh, what are those? <laughs> she goes to talk to the fairy that indirectly killed her sisters, but likes her a lot because she's got hobbies the fairy approves of. Hmm. Uh, the fairy, however, like gives, dumping babies, gives her yeah, her no, good nature. <laughs> the good-natured one's the one that left babies to die. She put babies in a box. How good-natured of her! <laughs> Our hero, <laughs> infants shoved in a box and traveled for miles. Uh, the fairy gives her no direct. Impersonated a doctor. Our hero. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of like where you come down on on like when when you want to copulate, like before or after, like that's you you make your decision. But don't don't ship babies off in boxes to abandon them. Like either way, that is not good. Yeah, that's a terrible. You're just just a terrible person. So. Evidently, it is good natured, Gordy. This story told us so. It's not. But this is why this is why we're doing this. So the fairy gives her no direct help and just tells her, "Oh, you're a prudent woman, and just keep in mind that mistrust is the mother of safety." Wink, wink. Did she call her a prude? No, prudent. Yeah, that's what I mean. Sure. And if you keep that maxim in mind, prude, a- you need no fairy arts to get through these trials. Gross. So she's just filling her head with paranoia. Yeah, yeah. So a few days later, the princess m- was married by an ambassador dispatched by Belavoir. So she didn't even, like, marry him directly. And then she's taken to meet her husband, now that they're officially married. Knife. <laughs> in a fabulous carriage. Uh, people are surprised by how melancholy the prince looks when he when she arrives, and the king has to force him to go greet her like a normal person. Knife. <laughs> is, is this the guy? Yeah, this is the, the brother. The brother who's. <laughs> it's, it's a complicated shifting of allegiances that I'm experiencing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know whose side to come down on. Everybody sucks. <laughs> Um, Belavoir was tongue-tied by her beauty and her just general awesomeness and perfect nature and everything, and he paid her compliments in such a higgledy-piggledy fashion that his courtiers knew, who knew how eloquent he usually was, believed him to be so unloved that he has temporarily turned stupid. I'm in danger of, like, like, our, our reading of this is not the same as the author's. Right. And I keep, I keep thinking in the back of my head, like, she's gonna get it. Like she's gonna get hers in the end, but I don't. I don't think so. It's not where this is going. No, the author has already been self-congratulating for choosing her as a hero. So mm. no, 
Um, I'm going to need fistfuls of jicama after this story's <laughs> over to get this blood pressure down. <laughs> uh, so Vanessa, remembering the fairy's maxim, which is mistrust is the mother of safety, um, had already schemed up a scheme to get through the wedding night. So she had found herself an ally in a chambermaid who had a key to the closet in her chamber, and she had asked this chambermaid to store in the closet a bale of straw, a bladder of blood, and some bits of animal innards from the creatures killed for dinner. Found an ally, you say? Yep. How? (laughs) I'm guessing from this set of requests, fear. (laughs) (laughs) Sheer intimidation. She still has the axe. Because if this new princess shows up to your kingdom, is like, oh, hey, I see you'll be taking care of my chambers. It's nice to have you on the team. I need you to get me a bladder of blood and some organs and just put them in my closet, please. Also some hay. We'll be besties. <laughs> this this woman is terrifying if you think about her. I don't like to. I'd rather not. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think the Church of the Axe is the dark church of the knife. <laughs> All right, so she made up a pretense to go to her closet, and while she's up there, she makes a puppet out of the straw and shoves the innards and the blood batter, our bladder into the puppet, and then How dresses it up. Can you be? <laughs> dresses it up in a women's nightgown. Purity. She's good natured. Can't you see? <laughs> Is this the theme song for Fame Dame and Good Queen Good natured princesses, cut babies open. <laughs> We're using this for Clean Bee and Eileen, too. <laughs> <clears throat> so when the princess and Belovar went to bed, uh, she took her time doing her lady's toilet, and then once all the candles were removed, she just chucked the straw puppet into the bed and hid herself into a corner. <laughs> Good. Wow. All right. <laughs> Which is an image I really love. Because <laughs> how accurate can you be? Throwing a, a human-sized puppet made of straw and blood bits shoved into a nightgown. <laughs> You're just throwing it across a room. She, for all her craftiness, it did not extend to to decoy making. <laughs> but also, like, as a king who's completely tricked by this like your bride has just chucked herself across the room into bed yeah is he already in the bed <laughs> i don't know <laughs> and so she's just like i'll be there in a second honey just gotta do a quick pooper <laughs> uh, <so> coming <laughs> <laughs> i guess the prince wasn't actually in the room because it does say he enters now then why throw it i don't know just place it <laughs> He enters the room and sighs heavily three or four times. Uh-huh. Because <sighs> he's become self-aware <sighs> of this terrible story. <laughs> and then he draws his sword and runs it through the puppet. Mm-hmm. So four, four sighs than murder. Is his... Gotta work yourself up, I guess. Yeah. When he sees the blood trickling out, he freaks out and starts shouting, What have I done? After such a... <laughs> <laughs> outdamned spot. What did he expect? After such cruel conflict of mind, wondering if I should deny the deathbed request or commit the crime, have I killed the princess I was born to love? Yes. No. Born to love. Her charms ravished me the instant I saw her. Can anyone punish a woman for having too much virtue? Delete this story. <laughs> Well, my brother, I have fulfilled my promise and I've satisfied your unjust vengeance. So it's time for some suicide. Night? What? Nah. As he's monologuing, uh, he butterfingers his sword, like dropping it in his grief. I, and it, I, I, this is like, it's like halfway, spoilers, halfway through Psycho when Marion Crane dies and then you're suddenly left without anybody to sympathize with. For the rest of the movie, and it's just uncomfortable. Yeah, except we started there, and it was an episode ago. Yeah. <laughs> except except what if in Psycho there was never Marion Crane, and it's, just everybody sucked? It's been two episodes of not caring about anybody. All right. Um. So, yeah, he drops his sword in grief and ecstasy, and as he's groping for it in the dark, she gi- he gives the princess time to shout, Hey, I'm I'm not dead. It's cool. Chill. Chill out. No, I goofed you. Yeah. 
fun fun prank. Uh, so she she comes out of her corner and she tells him that she suspected this to be kind of a vengeance marriage set up by Richcraft and how she made the decoy. Um, but that his repenting the murder makes her think he's a good dude after all. And he can't imagine how he could have been so weak to have failed to see that promise exacted by artifice is a null promise. Is that the moral? No. Um, the moral. not what they were building to. Right. Here's the moral. If that paragon of virtue, Vanessa, hadn't remembered that mistrust is the mother of safety, she and Belivar would have both died and probably generations would write thick arcane histories about Belivar's legendary strange feelings toward her, but luckily we've been spared this. And that is how the story presents its moral. Um, and they did, of course, live happily ever after instead. My head legitimately hurts. <laughs> All right, you you guys ready to uh, break this one down? I don't want to. What? I mean, we know the moral. Mistrust trust is the mother no one of Because safety. they hit us over the head with it in Christopher Nolan style. Requiescat in pace. The whole, the <laughs> what? Requiescat in pace. That's the moral? Yeah. What are you saying? Rest in peace. Yeah. But in Italian. Yeah. Like Assassin's Creed. Yeah. You're just trying to get us to what talk you, about Assassin's Creed. What is your point? That's their motto is nothing is true. Everything is permitted. Yeah. And that's this fucking lady's lifestyle. <laughs> yes. Trust nobody. Yes. I mean, this Hit is. Hit many things with axes. They have like the moment like in the dark night where the Joker just barrels down the camera and says, I'm an agent of chaos. <laughs> do you get it yet? I'm burning the mummy. <laughs> do you get Do you get it? It's chaos. <laughs> The money means nothing to me. <laughs> All right, yeah, and and they, I don't need it. From like a literary perspective, that moral is actually well sewn into the whole story, which is better than some of the fairy tales we've read that just take a sharp left turn at moral yeah, time. Doesn't make it good. Though. I mean, it, I know it's a shitty moral. No, I don't. I don't like it, but it is because like. The two sisters who lose their bobbins and then die from it, they don't lose it by being bad people. They lose it by trusting this guy who is the first man to really speak and with them. They lose it by and being preyed upon. Right. Like I I read like I read what's his name? Richcraft as like as a predator. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so, 100%. So like it is it's also not like they like went out and went like just looking to hook up with somebody. Yeah, they weren't like, he showing did, their ankles did, to every man on the street. He did sneak into their tower and and pressure them into this. And they I mean they have obviously not been trained to deal with yeah. with men. So let's right, like let's let, num first and foremost, let's put the blame where it belongs, which is on Richcraft. Right. For a lot of it. I can say, like, from personal experience, and also pretty much every lady I know has had at least one... Yes, all women. ...relationship like this. Hashtag, yes, all women. Where it's just like, I mean, probably not every, every lady I know, but a good number of them have had a relationship with just a manipulative shitlord like this. And you don't realize it until you're out of it, and you look back, and you're like, whoa, that was a lot of shit that that man spewed. For a long time, how did I not see it in the moment? Yeah. Um, and, like, especially in high school, which is probably about the age of these girls. Teenaged. Like, high school and early college, when you're not that experienced at it, and you just you don't know any better. So, like, this still happens all the time. People who have more exposure to humans than to princesses who've been locked in a tower. But, yeah, the, the moral... I mean, she does carry it from a literary sense through pretty well. To Like, these these ladies trusted someone, and now one of them smashed her skull into a wall. It's, it's very ham-fisted. What you're saying to me is, yeah, that sure was all covered in shit. <laughs> like, yeah. it, was, it was covered. You no, could like, not see. It is, it is there a, was not a speck that didn't have shit on it. It is a well-woven shit blanket of a story. <laughs> didn't but, miss a spot. Not one nook, not one cranny. Nope. Every, every instance of this was just shit woven deep into the fibers. Literally everywhere we turned. Shit over there, too. <laughs> Dad's shitty. This fairy's shitty. Sister's shitty. Richcraft's shitty. The town was shitty. Bellevoir's shitty. The mountain was shitty. <laughs> the barrel was shitty. It didn't even kill him right. It couldn't even kill him. 
It couldn't give me that kindness of not having to deal with him anymore. <laughs> he still had to exist afterwards. Yeah, it just it's complicated at the end because, like, what, like, what outcome do you even hope for? Like, not one that any of the characters want. Scorched Earth. Yeah, like <laughs> if if this kingdom could just get wiped off the map. And we could go to a new one and start over with them. That'd be great. Like my favorite characters are the poor sisters. Abandon this timeline, please. I want to do a sequel to the Page Master, where Macaulay Culkin goes into this book and he learns that books are bad. <laughs> Did you almost say Kevin McAllister? I got that. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be a fun sequel. It'd be it'd be kind of an acid trip. Books are terrible. They're not worth your time because they have this in it. <laughs> yeah, books books are terrible. Maybe invest your time in something else. Books, Every books is books this. will judge you. Have you have you ever played The Witcher? It's pretty great. And, and glorify the shittiest of people. I don't know if I can trust The Witcher because that was books too. <laughs> it, did, it did start as books. You're right. That's what? just sneaky books. A whole bunch of them. Belivar kind of sucks too. Not as hard, he's, mostly because he doesn't have as much screen time. Yeah, he's like I don't know. Like he agrees to do a bad thing. He's he's sort of a passive suck. And then he like and then he, yeah, I guess he's. I mean he he does do it. He doesn't even do it with conviction though. Right. Like I he, was, well, was going to say at least he felt bad about it, which you probably should. You should after murdering somebody. I don't. There's something really weird about feeling bad about it as sighing four times, then doing it without hesitation, and then being like, "I was born to love this corpse." The sighs sounded performative. <laughs> yeah, one, <laughs> the way that they were presented. One all four sigh, of them. One sigh and murder is like conviction with regret. Four size is overkill no matter how you slice it. Four size is you hope somebody's in the corner listening. Yeah. Yeah, that is for someone else's benefit if you have to do it four times. Or, mm-hmm. or you're like hoping that your new wife will be like, honey, what's wrong? Why are you sighing? And then talk you out of it or something. Sigh, 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 sigh. Sure hope my wife talked to a fairy and learned not to trust me, so she made a decoy for me to stab. That chambermaid, though. <laughs> Quit the next day. <laughs> like I'm going to wh- live on an island by myself. What? When? When? When did she have time to make an ally with the chambermaid? And How? And is there any possible way she could have done it without being the most intimidating pr- human being ever? What did they do to be friends first? How did they meet? She just like made an ally of a chambermaid who had access to her chamber. So it's just yeah. like the maid assigned to her wedding. Maybe she came over with the ambassador that married her in Belavoir stead. Yeah. What's the title of this story again? The Subtle Princess. <laughs> Oops. Seems not true. (laughs) It's her intelligence that's subtle. Her name means finesse. Is it now? I kind of like her as a. The author knows that subtle and slight mean different things, right? (laughs) Okay, I'm going to preface this by I hate her as a human. Like, 100% worst human. I like her. As a terrifying murder queen, like yeah, as, as a character, not not the character that this author thinks she is, she's but the character like a... that the author has accidentally written, who can easily handle an axe, has no hesitation about splitting a man's skull in half if he makes a yeah. move toward her, has no hesitation about shoving him in a knife barrel, has no hesitation about dumping babies on his deathbed. Can I? Can I? pitch a cannon so that I can know that I will someday have the last laugh over this fictional character. <laughs> sure. She is Snow White's stepmom. She's what? She's the evil queen. Oh, yeah. I, I'd like to, to think she is one of the evil queens that we have encountered or will encounter. Sure. She's the famous one. Yeah. She goes on the mural. For her virtue. Her murder I was going to say she's like a puritanical Azula. <laughs> Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think that still fits with the the um, Snow White evil the, queen situation. The, yeah, we can go with that. Yeah, no, she's definitely an evil queen. How does the evil queen know Snow White again? What's their relation? Uh, step stepmother. Step stepmother. Okay. So, do we want to fill in this woman's like intervening years? <clears throat> 
between the two points. Yeah, between this the end of this story and the beginning of. I mean, she jumps from Snow kingdom White. to kingdom because she doesn't fuck anybody because it's her virtue. Right. She just covets the glass bobbin for all of her days. And had it made into the mirror. She has a. She has a. Yeah. Sure. It, it powers the mirror. The mirror is yeah. powered by her virtue. Yeah, she can't be like. Del- <laughs> It's powered by her bean. <laughs> it's the next, it's next gen technology. All right. After, so sh- after the virtual age, will be, will be the bean age of technology. Actually, she could be one of the um, the like evil mothers, like not Snow White's uh, I really stepmother. Like, I really like mirror powered by her bean. I do, I so do. let's let's not write that off quite yet. I mean, they can going. still have that, but we've got we've got a couple cases where like like a queen's son, yeah, finds a lady in a field, shoves her on a horse, brings her home, and marries her, and the mom's not happy about it, and the mom sets her up to be like a puppy eater. Mm-hmm. So we've got a couple of those. I think that's probably a little less convoluted an ending for her. Yeah. Then somehow, because she'd have to leave Belavoir somehow and marry a new king to be a stepmother yeah. to an existing child. Right. And I doubt that that's likely. That doesn't count as virtuous anymore. Right, yeah. So her bean-powered mirror wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I just want her to. No, I think she's one of. Terribly. I think she's one of those people who ends up in that barrel because that's where she'd get the idea. I need her in like a snake pit or something. That doesn't one of those listeners who have more recently binged our thing like, <laughs> like way in because we don't remember last week. Have you binged our thing? <laughs> our, our show thing that we do right Tweet now. Tweet blast active. us. If you if you remember one of these mom characters who like frames a new queen, yeah, and then says a shitty way to die, and yeah, then does it? Yeah, let us know if one of those dies by knife barrel, because I'm going to assume it's this woman, <laughs> because she would have seen the knife barrel before, and that's where she gets the idea, and she and her, her and craftiness she's so, has run out. Yeah, she's well, she's so convinced by her own virtue and awesomeness at that point, like she doesn't even see that she could be wrong. Yeah. So yeah, that's her end. I think she intimidated that chambermaid. Yes. Like she's a scary, scary queen. Yes. I love her as that character. Mm-hmm. I hate her as she's intended. What happened to those kids? Babies, babies. They grew up and became storks. <laughs> they became storks. For what purpose? To suck on a lady's boob later. <laughs> yeah. I I think about that every now and then. <laughs> that was like the thing that happened in a story. <laughs> we had to witness that. Someone painted it. What? There's art of that. D- oh, like, not not like, somebody in our orbit. No, like like a classic piece of art depicting that moment. Nah. Like Da Vinci? Not quite, but... Who's the other one? <laughs> the other painter. Rembrandt. Those are the two, right? <laughs> the two painters who in make, history. Who got to make art. Yeah. Da Vinci or Rembrandt or nothing. All right. I have two pitches. Okay. First one you've heard. Give me... You didn't me, care for it. Give so. me something to hang on to. Yeah. Second one, time portal. The first one being the Snow White stepmother? No, for the babies. What was your first oh, pitch? The stork boobs. Yes. Stork boobs. <laughs> Second one, time portal. I think it'd be boob storks. That's why nobody ever found them. Because a rift in time opened. They're raised by wolves. They start Rome. Great. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll keep an eye out for like... What do you mean? They're, they're unexpected they're box babies. The two, Janus and Jinkus. <laughs> Romulus and Remus. <laughs> Those are the ones. Janus. <laughs> Janus and Jinkus, founders of Rome. <laughs> Jinko Jeans and Jesse Jackson. <laughs> we Blake on that for a minute. Yeah, you're right. Rom, Rom, Romulans and Re, Roman Mars and- <laughs> started Rome. Yeah, great. I don't, whatever. It's all fine. And by fine, I mean bad. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about a dark church of the knife? We already had one. When? We had a sect that split off of a, a woman who, I forget her story now, <clears throat> but... We did not agree with her uh, her position, but she did match the qualifications. That, I remember this. Not the details, but I recall talking yeah, about it. And I think this is another one of those cases because she definitely has like the gumption. Yeah. But her approach is 100% skewed. So yeah, I think we've got an evil Church of the Knife 
I mean, this this feels ill-willed. Yeah. The what other are, one I just didn't agree with. What do we call it? Church of the X. What's the opposite of a church? Man, I don't want to get into that debate. <laughs> Nega church. <laughs> the, the Nega church? Yeah, like Nega Scott. What is church of the knife backwards? Church, church of... Too hard. <laughs> Too Pass. <laughs> E-fink. <laughs> E-fink. E-fink you think of the you think foe you think foe at this is the cult of the x something maybe because like a cult is kind of a church gone twisted uh maybe let's let's i don't know are we are we good on that i'm not i'm not i like it i'm not sold it's not as strong i think i think we can do better yeah but i like the direction we'll take suggestions cult of the cult cult i don't know I, yeah, I agree with the sentiment, but the it doesn't have the same slicer cult. Doesn't have the same mouthfeel as Church mouth of the Knife. Feel. Cult of the about, Slice. I've been thinking about cult, this story. <laughs> cult of the Slice. That's just Cece's Pizza. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it already exists. We've been thinking about this story too long. Well, um, thank you to Rebecca Kirk for for throwing us into this dark, dark tunnel. You can say thank you. <laughs> I abstain <laughs> from what. <laughs> Thanking, thanking Rebecca Kirk, who suggested this story. I mean, thank you for making the suggestion. When, when thank you for engaging with us. We we don't we don't mean the genuine note. We don't mean to yeah. throw shade at any listeners. No, I am I'm playing it up by, yes. by complaining. Absolutely, I appreciate anybody who sends by complaining about the us. stories that like, is that the, is part of the bit. The stories we complain hardest <laughs> about are probably the most in line with our with our mission <laughs> statement. So do right. do keep those coming. You did you did it good. <laughs> Torment us as hard as you can with these. You found a good one. This has raked us through the coals. This is, you need to understand, listeners, that this is like that time that Dumbledore had to drink the bad water and he told Harry, I'm going to say a mess of shit to you, but you cannot let me stop drinking this water. (laughs) Yeah, perfect, perfect analogy. I want to read Harry Potter rewritten by Tyler when he's tired and mad. (laughs) <laughs> the the stories are our water. We got to drink the medicine down. <laughs> so keep serving it up, no matter no matter what we say. Keep them coming. So thank you, Rebecca. Thanks, thank Re- you, Rebecca. Thank you, Patreons. Thank you, patrons. thank you, patrons. You got that list. Thank you to our top tier patrons: Jen, Jenna, Robert, Heather, Lily, Jeremiah, and Sarah. Yes, top tier patrons. Uh, thank you always, Doug. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, John Waterbottle. Thank, thank you, John, John Waterbottle. Waterbottle. Thank you, nobody else. <laughs> that's, that's it. I'm, I'm thanking the Brobdenagian Bards for letting us use their theme song. Do check out their, their work and their music. They're starting new campaigns now, so look into it. They do fun stuff. They're a funny group of people. Thank you, Bards. Thank you, Bards. We're what the folklore, and that's how it works. Thank you, the Neon. This has been What the Folklore. Thanks for listening to our show. If you have story suggestions for us, please send them to wtfolklore at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Special thanks to the Brobdingnagian Bards for the use of their song Happily Ever After from their album Brobdingnagian Fairy Tales. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.